This is The Tortoise. The podcast about the possibilities of slow. I am your host, Brooke McCallery. And I'm joined by your other host, Ben McCallery. How are you? Welcome to 2024 for our listeners. It's our first episode of the year. Happy New Year. <laughs> As one says in the middle of February. <laughs> yeah. Happy New Year from the... Uh, the tortoise. How's your year going so far? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Six weeks in, seven weeks in. I'm, it's good. It's really good. Um, we had a lovely break. Oh, yeah, it was so good, wasn't mm, it? Oh. Mm-hmm. It's the first time you've had really a proper break. Yeah, like a month off work. Yeah, since you started working for yourself like seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. So it was delightful and much needed. And um, yeah, hopefully... You guys listening also had a chance to take some downtime and that February is, I don't know, I like February. Oh, February's great. I do. I really like February. I, I feel like January's, and that's probably because it's our summer holiday, but there's something nice and slow about January. Like I don't rush into resolutions or plans over January. Mm. It's sort of once the kids get back to school, that's when that kind of starts. So, um, yeah, February's got a real set the tone feeling that I like. It does. It really does. Mm. And it started off very slow. Yeah. This year, which I've, I've really enjoyed. And by slow, you mean like intentional or just not busy? Both. Okay. That's good. Yeah, really good. So, anyway, that's us in a nutshell, as Austin Powers says. <laughs> We're gr- <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we come to you for a wonderful summery day here in uh, Southern Highlands of New South Wales, Australia. The mist rolling in. It's freezing. The rain just stopped for the time being, but we've got warm cups of coffee and we're, we're ready to settle into a great conversation. And the theme for this week is joy. Mm, joyful living. Joyful living. Yeah. So if you read The Tortoise, the letter that I write weekly, um, you may have seen that joy is my guiding word or guiding principle of this year. And it all came about because I was in a conversation with someone who was obviously at the end of last year, obviously feeling really pained by the world and by the way they perceived it was moving towards this place of joylessness. And they said to me, there's no joy in the world anymore. And it really bothered me and it bothered me because A, I completely understood what they were saying and why they yeah. were saying it yeah. and that's challenging in itself and B, I just couldn't, I could not allow for that to be true mm. and I don't believe that it's true Yeah. but I, I do understand why people believe it uh, and that kind of stuck with me and I really let that discomfort sit for a little while and I decided that I get why people feel like there's less joy or no joy in the world anymore, but also we can do something about it. So that's why joy became my guiding principle for the year because I'm, I don't think I'm particularly joyful by nature. Like I always say that I'm not the playful parent. I'm like not the fun one. And I know that's a story that I tell myself Yeah, that can be right and wrong at different times, but I don't think that I am wired for like, Wired for joy. Yeah. But I also really appreciate when I feel it. 
So why can't we cultivate more of it? And that's what I really want to do out throughout the whole year. Yeah. But that's specifically what I want to focus on, you know, this kind of term, the first set, quarter of the year. Set the, set the, t- set the term, set, you know. Yeah, set, set the agenda. Set the scene. Set the tone. Set the table. Set the- <laughs> I've never really examined the word joy. Mm-hmm. And the and the theme of joy and the what the essence of joy like the definition of yeah, it yeah and just doing some light to no research on it <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked at how religious the term can be yes I uh, it's interesting isn't it really interesting yeah and then I thought like where have I heard joy and coming from like Christianity mm. even the hymns and the the songs like joy to the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a term that's used quite a lot in the Bible. Okay. So it's interesting because I I went down the same kind of path. I I started to search like what's the difference between happiness and joy. Oh, so did I. And you go you've got the dictionary definition, yeah. right, which ties the two very closely together. It basically says all across all the major dictionaries, they say that joy is a a feeling of pleasure or happiness, either the emotion or the giving of that is joy. So mm. it can be something that you can give or receive or something that you feel. And it's always tied to pleasure and happiness. So that's the dictionary definition. And that's, to be fair, how I had always seen, seen joy. It, it was like yeah. another side of the same coin of happiness, yep. you know, maybe more intense or more longer lasting or something like that. But and and then you you start coming across lots and lots of blogs where they try and um, define joy as separate to happiness, and I found that really interesting because most of the the articles that I read were religious, okay, or spiritual, yeah, um, and most of them were trying to paint a very distinct line between happiness as something that is shallow and materialistic and fleeting and self focused versus joy which was something much deeper yeah. and more spiritual yeah. more with more meaning and focused on others and i kind of I, I sort of i don't know how i felt about that because it was sort of um it was like emotional snobbery or something <laughs> and it's it, they're just words right so exactly, and that's and, what I came to. But I did the same thing. I was like, when I looked at joy and and what joy meant, I, I just kept on getting references to joy is an inner feeling, whereas happiness is an outward expression. Interesting. And aligns with what you were saying about like shallow. So joy is a deeper feeling, whereas whereas happiness can be fleeting. Yeah. And I th- I've never even thought of of that before mm. and I've never really sort of unpacked that. But so it, it will be interesting to, yeah, like talk about that with you. So where I kind of landed is I do understand that they are different, but I don't think that they need to be like one is better than the other no. or one is um, more meaningful than the other. Ultimately, I don't think that you can have joy without happiness. Oh, okay. In so my readings and my the way that I've looked at it is happiness is a result of joy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've learned is that words have no meaning <laughs> and we can make our own meaning. Um, by that, I mean that 
happiness is almost like a practice for joy. Um, okay, yeah, I like that. So, you know, when you... Can look, joy be mistaken for happiness? Of course, all the yeah. time yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Like I actually had an existential moment where I'm like, have I never felt joy before? Like mm. am I only feeling happiness? And I just don't buy that at all. I really mm. don't. Um, I think that happiness, if you're looking um, at the way our brains work, experiencing happiness is using the same like neurotransmitters, you know, dopamine, yep. oxytocin, that kind of thing yep. that you also fire up when you experience joy. And I read this article on a Harvard um, website that mm-hmm. sort of said you cultivate joy. So it's something uh, yeah. you grow, yep. but you can grow those pathways. You can practice those pathways by experiencing things that make you happier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost like a pre- yeah precursor or uh, the out like you said the outward version of joy but joy, it's sort of teaching yeah. us what it feels like and joy really the way this particular article categorized it is that um happiness is a feeling that a pleasurable feeling mm-hmm. that arises from an experience or a thing or um, a situation joy is a state of mind that can be cultivated to the point where you can still experience it in times of grief, in times of despair, in times of, of hardship. So that's sort of where I came. Oh, that's really interesting. Can you fake happiness? Oh, yeah. Can you fake joy? Nope. Yeah, okay. So that's the distinction. And I, I hate to be looking at it in black and white terms. This is also just our, our conversation. Yeah. It means different things to different exactly. people. The, what, the, the bit of research that I did on it which made me sit up was that joy so the smile joy produces is different of how we might smile when we're experiencing happiness really so they call it the and typical ben's gonna stuff this up this pronunciation (laughs) but it's the deshane or deshane smile okay and here's a fun fact scientifically and this is where i I do most of my research is on the Royal College of Surgeons website in <laughs> Ireland. Of course. <laughs> Looking at really scientifically and uh, that there's 19 different types of smiles, but the only genuine smile is the is this Duchenne or Duchenne smile. Really? Yep. And it's because that smile... Uh, involves the muscles that wrap around the eyes. So think like crow's feet. Uh-huh. You know, like crow's feet. Yeah. That's like they're joined to the muscles that produce this this smile called the Duchenne smile or the true joyful smile. So in books, a lot of the time authors will say something like, um, she smiled but it didn't reach her eyes. There you go. Not a genuine smile. Huh. One of the 19 different types of smile but not this there you go. joyful smile. I, th- I loved that. Yeah, sure. It and makes me a little bit sad that like 18 of our smiles aren't real fake. though. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, well, just not this, this what is known as the joyful smile. And that, it was so funny because they did this, they quoted some research that they did and the, the benefits of this smile, this joyful smile, um, I think it was for baseball players in America. Sure. Uh, and that 
of those that had this joyful smile, 70, they had a 70% chance of living until they're 80 compared to those, um, to 50% of those that were non-joyful smiles. My goodness. The health benefits of smiling and joy. Right. Well, we know that. We know that the health benefits of happiness and therefore by extension, I suppose, joy Mm. are massive. You know, you engage those neurotransmitters like dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and they do various things to your body. Like they relax your muscles. They can improve your cardiac health. They can um, reduce all of the physiological outputs of stress, you know, so you feel less stressed as a result. Um, All of those things that in a physical sense improve your experience, like in your body. Yeah. And that's from anything that promotes happiness or joy. But I do think, as you asked, like I think you can fake your way into happiness by doing things like exercising or smiling at people or connecting with someone or, um, you know, doing those things that promote that that sense of well being mm. that positive sense of well-being that can often lead to happiness over time but i think joy i don't know does that then if you just keep doing those things do you then become a more joyful person or do you have to like can you, you train just, yeah, yeah i don't yeah. i don't know can you train yourself that's i guess that's kind of what i'm trying to do over the next couple of months is can i train myself to be more joyful so you've got to train what's known as the orbicularis oculi which are these muscles okay that uh, contract when you when you're having that genuine Duchenne smile. Okay, so I wonder if people who have Botox, like, <laughs> no, I, I'm not, I'm not I, making fun. Well, Botox just it doesn't remove muscles, does it? I don't know. I don't know much about it other than like it stops the crow's feet. It stops the yeah. outward yeah. appearance of using those muscles to a certain extent. I think. So I wonder if there's like some kind of change or if it doesn't like if the brain still moves the muscle the muscle just doesn't actually move itself i don't know there's an article (laughs) does botox prevent joy oh (laughs) yeah you can write i'm not writing (laughs) i'll write it and just quote from my friends at the royal college of surgeons in ireland of course Really interesting article. I'll, I'll we'll include it in the show notes. Of the episode. But, yeah, there's um, a few a few things that are just worth reading. And yeah. I I do find myself really interested going back to your first point about you know the initial inquiries into joy versus happiness or you know the relationship between joy versus happiness and um, people who have a religious faith. I can understand that very much because everyone across the board sort of makes the point that joy is about meaning and purpose and people who have a deep personal faith, they find that meaning and purpose in ways that people who don't have the, have a deep personal faith or a religion, they find them in other ways. So I can, I can understand it. And I'm, I'm in the middle of reading uh, C.S. Lewis's book, Surprised by Joy, which my dad sent me. Thank you, dad. Um, And he, it, it really talks about his personal evolution of faith and how joy played a role in that over the years um so it's i don't know whether the the philosophy that seems to you know move through a lot of the the like the christian blogs that i was reading and articles that i was reading are because of c.s lewis's writing because he's obviously very popular and widely read Mm. 
um, or if it's because, like you said, I think it's go back biblically. Biblically, it's a, it's definitely a, it's mentioned a lot in the Bible. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious to to finish this book first of all, and just you know, land on my own thoughts on it. But, um, but is there other religions that? I mean, you think sure. Buddhism? Well, da- the Dalai Lama. I can't. I found a lot of people saying this is a quote of his, but I can't actually find the quote itself. But apparently the Dalai Lama said that choosing joy at a time like ours is a revolutionary act, (laughs) which I love. I love that mentality because I agree. And that's, I think, was at the heart of why I chose this word for this year because I felt such a sense of despair myself Mm. and then collectively last year that, you know, sometimes like, I don't know if this is too much. Sometimes I look at everything that's going on in the world and I'm like, why do we bother? Like, why do we persevere? And it's a horrible feeling. But I, I, my answer is because of love, because of connection, because of joy. Like, that's why we persevere. That's what people fighting for and to me that feels revolutionary like to laugh while there is pain in the world I've struggled with that so I'm like shouldn't I be feeling desperate despair and sadness all the time but actually to find joy in amongst it not to try and cancel it out but almost in spite of it feels revolutionary Mm. I don't know when you read that quote, mm. I immediately thought, one, I, I loved it. I was like, oh, that's such a good quote. But then the flip side of my brain automatically went to, but you, you don't want to be like, don't want to have that positive tox- toxicity. Yeah, totally. So there's a, got, there's a difference, right? I think joy, you can absolutely feel the full range of human emotions while holding joy at the same time. I think toxic positivity is like, nope, good vibes only. Not interested in your despair or your depression or your sadness or your not interested. I'm going to sit over here in my positive vibes only bubble. That's very different. Mm. But I think it's, it's hard to learn to hold two opposing things at the same time. Yeah. But they can both be true. Like I think that that's something that I know a lot of my personal inner work revolves around. Like both can be true. It's like, like yes, it's uncomfortable. It's meant to be. Both can be true. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you about that because I know one of your resolutions for this year, I don't know if that's what you'd call it, like no, an intention. I wouldn't. No, okay. But intention's nice. Is to, I think you said no complaining, but maybe it's more generous to say less complaining. Why did you choose that? Because complaining doesn't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. I used to think that by having a complain, you kind of free space up in your head to then move on, but Mm -hmm. I never do. Often, 80% of the time, if I have a complaint, I'll then just obsess about it continuously and it'll be a reoccurring theme 
And I just kept on thinking like how much energy we both like mostly mental energy we hold on to mm-hmm. when we're complaining and complaining whether it's you might be hard done by or something happened that you didn't like or there was a person there that you didn't like that said something to you or whatever like mm-hmm. it could be like anything mm-hmm. like anything during the day like can you change that so what so if you can't change it or or use it in a positive way a learnt way mm. why would you complain about it mm. why would you hold on to it and complain about it and how does that differ to toxic positivity so it's almost like if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. Right. So it's not like turning it on its head and just being no positive positive vibes only. Yeah. It's you acknowledge it but but don't I, just don't express it or even like mental complaining, like mm. we're not like internalizing it and obsessing about it and complaining mm-hmm. without speaking to you about it or just trying to remove that from my headspace because mm. there's enough going on in there. Than having to, or just complain about it. Yeah. So how's that different then to processing something like in a conversation? So let's say something crappy happened uh, at work, and you want to process it, like talk it through before you can let it go or decide on what to do with that. How's how do you make sure that by not complaining? you're not then closing down that line of communication. So complaining is just regurgitating being a victim, you know, Mm -hmm. like just so-and-so, this this happened, like, and there's no real learning from it. Right. I'm happy for there to be learnings from it. So it's, you just, you go that extra step, you go past the complain and go like, okay, but what is it actually mean for Mm -hmm. me or Mm -hmm. the people I love or what's the lesson rather than just focusing on the actual situation and what happened or the words used or what happened to you physically or whatever it's going beyond that and like Mm. going where's the lesson learnt here and Mm -hmm. if there's none then don't you don't have to yeah right you can just not like stuff rather than just that's what I was going to say complain so you work like let's say you work with someone and you you just don't gel that's probably not going to change. So every time you're in a meeting with them, you come out and you're like, oh, my God, this person drove me mad again. Like that's not helpful. No. That's complaining. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because there's energy being spent in that rather than, okay, what are some some methods, what's some strategies to deal with that? Yeah, okay. Okay. That's, That's what I mean by no complaining. Yeah, I find it interesting because I'm definitely someone who processes things often verbally. So I will talk through like a frustrating experience or something that's annoyed me with you. And I suppose it's probably worthwhile starting to look at that through the lens of like, can we do anything about this? Can I change anything in myself about this? Or am I just having a whinge? Mm. And see how often I still feel the need to process things. What I have been doing though lately is a back on my morning pages bandwagon and I love it. 
because it gives me that, and for lots of reasons I love it, but in the context of this conversation, it gives me that space where I can just vent my spleen and I do and it's gone. And that might be, like I don't hold on to it. I don't feel like it's complaining. I feel like it's just letting out this frustration or this anger or this annoyance or grievance or whatever it is. And it is literally gone. Like once it's in those morning pages, I don't think about it anymore. It's not even a processing. It's just a letting go. It sounds like you're able to do that mentally a lot more than I'm able to do it maybe. Like you're just. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like you can kind of, when you were talking, I could kind of almost see you imagining just a letting that go and out it goes. And for me, like morning pages, brain dumping does something similar. So I wonder if that will help me with complaining less. It's my word, so don't steal my word. <laughs> but um... <laughs> okay. Um, can I ask you a question? Nope. I just did. Uh, I have been like really trying to keep joyfulness at the forefront of my mind for the first six, seven weeks of the year. Have you noticed any difference? Am I still a raging misery guts? <laughs> For parts of it, I have. Okay. Yeah. Pa- really? Parts of it, I have. Yeah. Yep. In what way? When we were like on our break. Yep. When we, there was significant joy over that period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was easy to experience joy maybe. So that I think that's, my head goes straight to that. And some like wonderful experiences we had while traveling, but I don't know. Like, mm. uh, other than that, I can't think of anything particular. Particular, yeah. Here's here's something that's going to be um, uh, maybe difficult to say and difficult to hear. Great, but and this is going to go back to joy versus happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since you stopped drinking alcohol. Yep. Like I think drinking alcohol in like social situations brings on like happiness. Yes. It's not joyful. Yes. It's a happiness feeling. Yeah. And and I'm just talking this out, right? Like and this is this is the best place to process this. This thoughts. is the best place yeah. to process it in yeah. a very public forum. <laughs> but yeah, it's that fake kind of happiness. Yep. Oh, it's not fake. It's Manufactured like, or like synthetic or something. kind of real. Yeah. I get The connection it. And, and things like that. And even you said like the, the way that the – I'm talking about like Australian society here mm-hmm. is all social engagements are around alcohol. Yep. And so I feel like ever since that, not that we're like distancing ourselves from those situations, but it's – harder to experience happiness and i'm only saying this now because i know joy and i know the you know Mm. the distinction between happiness and joy uh harder for you to experience happiness yeah i get that Mm. but interestingly i would i would say that if joy is a state of being a state of mind that is more it perseveres. Yeah. I would say I feel more joyful as a result of not drinking. And I was getting to that. Yeah. That was the next stage. Whereas really I feel like the benefits 
that lead into joy uh, you're experiencing more and more? So happiness is like it's it's almost like happiness is more socially acceptable, right? Yeah. And joy is something more serious, like yeah. Well, it's in, it's it's it is. It's yeah. like an umbrella. Like it's more. I feel like it's, it's a deep, foundation. It's definitely deeper, like you mentioned at the yeah. top of the episode. That's just one example, like just on that alcohol thing that yeah. I've noticed. I, I mean, I would agree with you 100%. Yeah. I think that when I used to drink, it was easier to slip into that like playful, silly mode that, you know, surface level shoot the shit with every anyone kind of mode. But it's that social connection too, yeah. which would be so hard when you're not, yeah. It is if I'm the only person not drinking. That's not easy. Uh, but three years, three and a bit years in, I'm like, that's a choice I've made. Mm. So it's maybe that's why it's so important for me to seek it out in other ways. Yeah. My worry is that you don't, you're not seeking it out in other ways enough doing my best <laughs> yeah and there's other other circumstances surrounding that do yeah. you feel like you've you experience more joy now i feel um i feel more even keeled emotionally mm-hmm. which makes it it makes me more open to big feelings like joy and awe and wonder when my mental health was nowhere near as solid as it is now, I think that I would swing really wildly between happiness and sadness and lots in between. But I don't think that there were lots of moments of joy. So I think that I'm more open to it and have definitely experienced more of it and I feel like it's a foundation I'm building. Mm. But it, it's tricky. Like sometimes it feels lonely to be doing things differently to pretty much everyone I know. But also that's what I chose. So, you know, like swings around. Roundabouts, I want to dig right? deep in. Yeah, definitely. I want to dig deep into like what are the activities that bring joy? Yeah. What are the actual things we you do that bring about joy in your life? Me personally? Yeah. I find a sense of joy when I feel like I am seen and heard and understood as a human by someone else or by something else, whether it's a piece of art, whether it's a movie, whether it's a song, whether it's a person in conversation, there is something really powerful that's way beyond happiness when I'm seen Mm. in that capacity. And then there are other times where I am just so friggin' happy to be alive that's joy. And for me, that moment might, it might be a moment and that moment might be happiness, but what it leaves behind is joy. Mm-hmm. So it could be, um, you know, a moment that we have with the kids on a holiday, right? Um, and that moment is sheer happiness, but it leaves behind this luminescent trail of joy. Um, it could be driving like I often have moments like this when I'm driving and I think it's because my brain's occupied with a practical task in front of me where I'm not constantly overthinking uh you know I've got the windows down and I've got a song that I really like and it's warm and the air feels soft and I am just 
so delighted to be alive and everything opens up in that moment and it's fleeting and it passes, but it leaves behind something. And I think that's joy. So. Yeah. Music, art, that brings a lot of joy in my life. Yeah. Music, whether playing it or listening Listening. to it, there's something about it that is just a joyful experience. Mm. I think anything that is humanity, like examples of humanity, people Mm. working together to create something or do something or bring about change, there's joy in that too. Like this is a weird example, but I often feel that swelling sense of wonder, you know, when I've watched a movie that I really love and I look, I watch the credits, like I watch all the credits of every movie because I look at all those names, those hundreds of names like that is a group, a massive, diverse group of people who have come together with all of their expertise and all of their inputs and they've made something. And if that something was really good, that really moved me, like everything that had to go right, everyone who had to agree or disagree. Oh, that's really or, nice. Like I, I love that feeling. Yeah. And it would be the same with looking through, you know, the sleeve on an album and looking at all the people involved and all of the brains and hearts that had to work together mm to make something, you know, same thing with like, remember flash mobs? <laughs> you love the collective. I do. The collective humanity. Yeah. I struggle a bit with people sometimes, but I love humans. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely something that brings you joy. Yeah. And it's lasting. Yeah. Group. Groups and groups of people. It's funny because Community. I'm very introverted. Yeah. There's probably something there that I could unpack at some other point that's not on a podcast. It's more fun on the podcast. Though. Sure, yeah. For me, it's, like you mentioned music, exercise is another thing that, you know, like you, I get a sense of joy because it's, it's more, more so that physical release. So mm. joy, like we're talking about like adrenaline, like endorphins and endorphins, that sort of thing. Yeah. changes in our body, breathing becomes faster, heartbeat increases, your body feels warmer. It's mm-hmm. that release of adrenaline that mm-hmm. is joyful and having accomplished something physically is is, mm-hmm. it, is a really joyful experience as well. Is it in the doing or is it in the after? Oh, it's hard to experience joy in the doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a... Well, I don't know. Good question. Mm. Not sure. I know scientifically that's yeah. that's a proven way to boost, to to cultivate joy. Yeah. It helps you to feel happy in the moment, which teaches your brain what it is come to back, feel happy. Come back to this yeah. feeling. And it, yeah. it develops those pathways over time that become easier, yeah. you know, over time. Like your brain is being trained or rewired to experience those positive feelings, which makes it easier if simpler if not easier to cultivate joy the other thing with exercise and this is probably it's more specific to joy is doing it with a group of people and this is coming back to what you were Uh saying around like collectives um being in a team and achieving something together yeah right that would i mean i haven't really done a lot of that in my later years as an adult and that's why i'm like i'm really I'm yearning to f- have a team-based exercise, mm, mm-hmm. um, uh, sport, 
So um, that's something I really want to explore this year. Yeah. So I just feel like that distance yourself from like personal accomplishment more into like the team mm. and, you know, like everyone came together. It's like the credits. Yeah, sure. It's that sort of feeling. So I guess personal accomplishment is happiness maybe. Maybe, yeah. And like it could be symbolic is, of happiness. Here's another good example. Say. The other thing that brings me a lot of joy is food. Yep. Whether it's eating it or more preparing it mm. and cooking it because mm-hmm. that's for others as well. That's the point I was going to yeah. make, yeah. So. Basically, everything that I read about joy and how to cultivate it and how to live more joyfully actually revolved around doing things for other people. Yeah. Like almost invariably. Yeah. It's volunteering. It's connecting. It's making a gift for someone and sharing it. It's visiting people. It's giving someone a call, dropping them a text message when you're thinking about them. Um, And it's also about learning and practicing gratitude for those things. So it's reflecting on all of the good in our lives while also reducing the negative inputs. Yeah. So I think that's more personal, you know, the gratitude and the reflecting. But almost invariably it's actually about other people. So to your point about cooking a meal with Mm. others or for For others, others, like that really does promote a sense of joy. I wonder if it's possible to take things that are very ho-hum, mundane, like cooking. Cleaning the bathroom. Cleaning the bathroom, sweeping the floors, you know, hanging out the laundry and flipping our thinking on it Mm. to one of I'm doing this for people that I love. I'm doing this even for future myself so that I don't have to do it during the week when I'm busy or, you know, is it possible to turn those everyday tasks into expressions of or practices of joy. I, I know you, you're probably more inc- inclined to that way of thinking than me because like your love language is acts of service. service yeah. So when you do things, you're, you're actively doing it for other people. Mm. So you're probably more wired for that, that mentality. Friend of mine who, um, puts in insulation for um, people Mm -hmm. at homes. Um, I asked him, like, I don't hate it when you're up in the roof and it's so hot up there and you're, you know, you're sweating and Mm. stuff. And he's like, yeah, but I always think, like, I'm doing this so that the family can have warmth in the room. Like, he just takes it to another level. Mm. Distances his immediate, like, what he's feeling to, like, thinking about the future and what it will actually bring people. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But he's bringing, he's giving purpose to what he's doing yeah. and meaning to what he's doing. Yeah. And that's really the other defining part of joy, isn't it? Like mm. we were saying earlier, having meaning and purpose mm-hmm. to our actions. So I suppose by that measure, maybe we could turn everyday tasks into those Symbols of joy or like a way to practice it. Hmm. I really like that though, that mentality. I do too. And it aligns with the acts of service, which is like my love language. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So other ways, you're very good at this. Um, laughing and just 
making things humorous. Yeah, and I've got I've trademarked a laugh. It doesn't have a lot of sound, but it just involves my mouth opening really wide and my eyes hopefully engaging. You've got to engage that, that muscle. In the Duchesne smile. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I do like to laugh. You do. <laughs> what was your question? I don't think I really there really was a question. It was just that humor and having that that sense of humor, that lens that you view things through. Being more inclined to laugh than scowl is a really helpful, powerful tool that is not my default whatsoever, but I have learned from you over the last 20 something years that like there's power in doing that and it can diffuse things or it can move a conversation forward or it can put people at ease or it can put yourself at ease. Like it can just de-escalate rising emotions. It, it does so much and you are such a natural at it that I always just assumed it came naturally to you, but it's a choice. Like you, you make a choice and you made a choice to be that person who will diffuse or move forward generously for people and that's like your way of doing it. When I try and do that, I try and like empathize. I think that's my version of doing that. It really is. That can often become more serious, whereas you take things more lighthearted, which I think would make a good match in that regard. Um, Yeah, but I do try actively now to at least sometimes laugh when I would usually not. So hopefully that pays off at some point. It feels nicer, put it that way. Like there has been a lot of times in the last 12 months or so that I will make a choice to laugh and afterwards I'm like, oh, God, that was nice to not go down whatever that road was going to be. Yeah. And you just move on and it's fine. It's fine. But do you think though that it can become quite flippant if I do that all the time? Yeah. Yeah. We've had conversations about that. Yeah. And, you know, that there's always like a moving point of balance. You know, sometimes what you do need is to empathize or to be like, I see what you're doing and I appreciate it rather than making an offhanded joke. Like there's always going to be, we're always going to lean too heavily one way. Like that's just life, right? No one's nailing it all the time. So yeah, being aware of the fact that sometimes that approach can sound flippant yeah, means that you're never actually that flippant because yeah. you're already aware of it. Yeah, And hopefully me being aware, growing to be aware that, like my way of smoothing things out can sometimes be too serious. It means that hopefully I'm not that person who gets stuck with the crying person at parties all the time now. <laughs> um, yeah. It is somewhat annoying that almost all the advice about self-improvement comes back to the same things over and over again. Like it's a bit annoying that, you know, it's move your body, boost your heart rate, connect with people, do something kind for someone else, um, practice gratitude. Like that really I know many of yeah. the ills that many of us experience 
according to scientists, can be alleviated at least in some part by those sorts of tools. Like it's a bit annoying. <laughs> but, it's annoying, but not really. I'm being facetious. Yeah. Like, it's annoying in the same way that people like, if you want to feel better in your body, you need to move and you need to drink more water and you need to add more veggies. Like you're like, I know, yeah. I know all of this. Yeah. Why don't we do it? Yeah. I don't, why don't we do it? Cause it's, it's not easy. Yeah, sure. Seems easy, but it's not. But it sounds or simple. It's not, yeah, it's not exciting. It's not. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. Yeah. To have those like. Who wants to drink more water? <laughs> yeah. So why, if we know things are good for us, why don't we do them? And could doing them, even if they don't help us in the way that we. Uh, want them to in terms of an immediate impact, can doing them still cultivate joy? And it's not your brain. Your brain's such an imposter. <laughs> well, our brains are wired to the negative, right? Like we have yeah. to actively seek out the positive. Yeah. Um, you know that term, don't be so up in your head? Yes. Or I'm so up in my head at the moment? Yeah. It's, that's your brain, isn't it? Just like taking over, just like going what you need is food, shelter, you know, like it's just the basic stuff and the basic stuff is not necessarily the stuff that is going to bring about like move your body, drink water, even though that does sound basic. Mm. Maybe I've just talked myself into a riddle. But (laughs) being up in your head is like letting your brain take over, like your basic yeah, when I see for me when when I'm up in my head, that's when like the self doubt. Yeah, the non joyful yeah. parts of yeah. life take over. That's when yeah. I I'm up in my head. I'm not moving my body. I'm up in my head. I'm not eating yeah. nutritious, nourishing food. When I'm up in my head, I'm not thinking about other people. Yeah, I'm just going round and round and round in circles. Yeah. 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 So you know things that promote or cultivate joy and or happiness are things that get you. Almost always out of your head, you know. Even when you totally agree, when you're doing things like writing a list of things that you're grateful for, you're thinking about it, but you're physically writing that down. And apparently, that is a really important part of it. It's either sitting around, you know, we do it at dinner most nights. Like, what's something good that happened today? Mm. And everyone talks Mm. about it. That's an act. Like that is a physical act. You're not up in your head thinking about it. You're talking about it. Or if you sit down and write those three things down every day. That's that's a that's a physical act getting you out of your head. You're doing something for someone else. That's a physical act. You know, you're not just thinking about them. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about my friend. That's nice. I'm a nice friend. I never do anything with that. Picking up my phone and sending them a text. Picking up my phone, give them the call. Picking up my feet and walking down to their house and saying, let's go have a coffee. Like yeah. they're getting out of my head. So I wonder if that's the difference between joy and happiness. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, everyone, every piece of literature literature that I read about joy really focused on doing things for other people as a way to cultivate joy. I want you to experience more joy. So apart from getting in the car and turning on the music, what else could you do? I think um, practicing gratitude 
is definitely something to do. So interesting, like my resistance to doing things outward is very strong. And that's a result of stuff that's gone on over the last couple of years health-wise. Like my world has shrunk by necessity. Yeah. And I think I worry about, I'm going to go and volunteer. I'm going to go and join this committee. I'm going to go and help these people do this thing. Quite genuinely, I'm terrified because so many times over the last five years, I've had to cancel on people. I've had to shrink my commitment. I've had to go, I'm so sorry. I thought I could do this, but I can't. So for me, I think that might be a huge barrier to that kind of joy. And I, I hate that, but it's also protective at the moment. You know, going into a period where it's by necessity, I'll be doing a lot of healing. That's just got to be not insular, but like self-contained. So to answer your question, I know what I could do, but I'm also really scared that I try, I start doing those things and then I'm like, I can't, uh-huh. I don't I have can't. the capacity yeah. to do this. Yeah. And that would be the opposite of joy. Like I feel as though letting the people. The thief of joy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I feel like letting people down or going back on my word, even by necessity, is, yeah, it's very much a joy thief. So there's a bit to unpack there. But, I mean, it's my whole year. It's my guiding principle for the whole year. That's so good. It's good. I have time. So just a bit of an update on my four-day work. <laughs> Great. Yes, let's go there. 12 months in, how's that going? It's so easy this time of year for me. This it. is when we spoke about it last year. So, so easy. Yes. This is why I got so excited last year. Sure. I'm like, oh, you know, this is what I can plan my weeks. And just for whatever reason, this time of year, mm. January, February, is the time where I'm not full on. Yeah. And I'm full on like right up into Christmas. Like it's just yep. mayhem. So, it was last year. We don't know about this year. Let's give it another go. Okay. I really want to give it another go. Okay. I know you're, you're, you're changing, you're shifting workloads, you're yeah. shifting clients. Yeah. So That's it might like, be... It's a, it's a hot mess at the moment. Like my, but it also it might be a great opportunity to create those boundaries before you engage new clients. It's, I mean, I'm on a much better platform to be able to make it happen this year. Okay. So watch this space. All right. I actually saw that uh, there was a school in New South Wales, um, Marston Park High maybe? That has been selected. I'm not sure if they're the only one or if there's other schools um, for four-day school weeks starting next term. There's a few that have done that, haven't they? I think there's independent schools that have done it, but I think this might be a trial via the Department of Education. Uh, and starting next term, classes start at like 7 a.m. And wow. so their work, their school days obviously are an hour and a half-ish longer. They're going to be longer. Yeah. But they get four days at school. So I'm fascinated to see. I wonder how why that they works. went to seven and rather than extend it beyond like you know like four, do it four four thirty. Lots of kids have jobs after school. Uh, Maybe that's why. Yeah. Like if you've got a part time job, you know that you can be at the supermarket or you know the shop by three thirty four o'clock. That gives you a certain number of hours every week that you you're available to work, and if they don't finish till five. Maybe that's why. I don't know. You know, I read something over the break. It was some influencer. It annoyed me who who it was. I don't even remember who it was. But they said 
something like I think the working day should be like six hours, nine till three or eight till two or something. Right. Because can't I, they couldn't actually see themselves working for like eight plus hours a day. And I quite like something in that resonated with me in that I just don't think people can be prime productive best selves for that longer period and produce for that long. For a full work day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many people though in their work day actually put themselves into their work, but you've got meetings, right? So you have time where you're not, your output is zero input is very high and you're, you're planning, you're strategizing, you're, you're working out what you need to work on. But like most people would have, varying levels of input and output during the day yeah yeah friend of the podcast andy who i work really closely with he tries to schedule all meetings like after four because he's like he knows that like the creativity like my writing all that stuff that i do kind of like exhausts it like it sure yeah it kind of finishes like you just can't keep going Mm. and be like a hundred percent and i just there's something about it that resonates with me and I want it to sort of form part of the four-day work week and that look at the work week as like a total hours thing rather than days and then shift. I know there's an argument for a work day to be shorter because school days are shorter. So for parents, particularly of younger kids, I understand that argument, Um, but that wouldn't or couldn't, then fold into a four-day work week, right? Because people are already working shorter days. So it could be that the work day just becomes shorter and people learn how to be more efficient in that period of time. But they're probably not going to have shorter work days and a four-day work week. Hmm. So is the is the answer giving people flexibility yeah. and focusing more on their output rather than the number of hours they're sitting in their chairs or, you know, at the tools? Or is the is the answer we all move up to the Yukon and Alaska? And like they do in the summer there, they have like three parts of the day mm-hmm. where they like finish work and then they go out and there's like another half day where they can like well, the exercise until like 11 p.m. Yeah. or midnight. Yeah. Sounds so wild. But, but so then cool. almost collectively hibernate during winter. Exactly. And then it's the opposite in winter. So you people still work, but they do less, less outside. Definitely less times. outside stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I could totally live up there. I loved it up there. It's so good. I don't know if I could do full time, but I could just spend some a lot of time up there. Mm. Like to do a year up there. That would be cool because yeah, you get to twelve months to experience, and experience the whole, it all, the whole range. That'd be so good. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should. I don't know how the kids would feel about that, but maybe we should after the kids have finished school. Well, that was a wide-ranging conversation. Really was. Yeah, it was delightful. I like joyful. It. I like. Oh, I did experience happiness. Okay. Time will tell whether it is actual <laughs> joy. It's. <laughs> don't you wish sometimes that we could quantify these things? Like you could track them. You know how people, if they're trying to improve certain areas of their health, you can track it. You can track your resting heart rate. You can track, um, you know, whatever. Track, blood, yeah, like blood test like, results and yeah. yeah, exactly. You can track that stuff. Like a wearable. God, I wish now. there was something like that for our emotional well-being. 
It's coming. <laughs> no, no, I don't yeah, want it. I don't exactly. Want it. <laughs> I don't want it. It'll be some weird implantable like serotonin tracker or something. No, thank you. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Honey. In that, you know, that that parallel universe that I daydream about. Yeah. It would be kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, I would be so interested to hear your thoughts um, on joy and if you draw a distinction between joy, joy and happiness or if they're sort of two sides of the same coin. I don't even know if we landed on a definitive position on that, but uh, I'd be really interested to hear what you have to have to think I have to say about it. Um, yeah, if you thank you for listening, thank you for being here, thank you for being part of the Tortoise community. For those of you who haven't yet subscribed to the Tortoise newsletter, uh, I'm back to writing a weekly Thursday letter. So please feel free to head over to bookmycalorie.substack.com and you can um, join us there. Um, we're running a 1% group experiment this year, so every school term. We're just focusing on an area of life that we would like to see, but we would like to put consistent tiny efforts into, whether it's to improve it or change it or grow it or just enjoy it. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's how can we spend 1% of our day or 1% of our effort on this thing and what might that look like over a period of time? What changes might we, we see or feel? over time so there's lots of us doing it um i'm focusing this term on joy obviously um, and also healing and i have written about that a couple of weeks ago so i'll post a link to that letter in the um the show notes so yeah i hope you have a wonderful month i hope that there are little pockets of joy for you and uh, i look forward to being back in your ears next month thank you benjamin thank you pleasure